Welcome to Be A Bigger Fish, the podcast that explores the power of podcasting. This is season two of Be A Bigger Fish, where we're taking a closer look at the world of in-house podcasting. I'm Debbie Aurelius, and I'm delighted to have had the opportunity to speak with JP Goodham to make this episode. JP is the founder of Storyboard. Now, that's an app that's designed specifically for podcasters who'd like to keep their podcast private. And I know from lots of my conversations with other professionals that that's a key concern for lots of organisations. So if you're wondering how you can publish an in-house podcast or a podcast for your membership group and keep that content private, you'll find this conversation particularly interesting. JP has a genuine passion for the power of podcasts and he shares some really motivating thoughts and insight from his work in podcasting over the past four years. This is a brilliant conversation that I learned quite a lot from, so I'm hoping that it will be really helpful for you too. Let's get into the chat. Well, I'm really pleased to be speaking with JP Goodham today. So JP, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. Well, first, it's a pleasure to be here. And as you you mentioned, my name is JP. I am the founder of Storyboard, which is an app that allows corporations and teams to host and distribute podcasts, but keep them private and secure. Just for a little background on me, I worked for a while at a large company. Uh, which was a great experience. But on the side, I've always had a passion for podcasting and audio, and I think it can be really powerful. And so this opportunity came where I feel like a lot of companies could be using audio to really engage their employees and build team culture, develop their staffs, and achieve a number of other goals. And that's been my project for um, the last year or so, and it's been a really exciting process so far. That's Perfect. That sounds absolutely perfect for all the things I'm really dying to ask you today. So that's brilliant. Thank you so much. So how long have you personally been involved in creating audio or podcast content? Yeah, great question. So as I mentioned, it's been something that I've been passionate about for a while, but it really was something that was, um, you know, a hobby or something I was doing on the side for for quite a while. In the US, I've had a podcast about, uh, it's a sports focused podcast for about four or five years now. And it was, it was fun because I, I've been able to build an audience and uh, a little bit of a fan community, uh, which has been exciting. But, but even more importantly, I think it showed me the differences between what podcasting can do versus having a blog or just written content or producing video alone. And particularly, it, it showed me how important it can be to put the listener or the consumer of content in the driver's seat where they can make choices of, hey, you know, I'm, I'm commuting to work, I'm on the train or I'm in a car and I want to listen right then and there. You really can find people when, when they want to be found through podcasting in a way that maybe you can't by sending out a newsletter or putting up a blog post or just sending out a tweet. So I love this space. You know, I'm excited to be on a podcast talking about podcasting. It feels very meta. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's been great. <laughs> That's such a really good point. It, it does feel meta, like we're talking about what we're talking about. So yeah, about four to five years, that's quite um, a long time in the podcasting world, to be fair. So I'd, I'd say that's fairly lengthy experience. And you say it was about a year ago that you set up Storyboard. So what prompted you to, to do that? 
Yeah, there were a number of things that happened at the same time. I actually began building the app and and I mentioned this before. This is an iPhone app, soon to be an Android app as well, where a podcaster can set up a private channel. They can pick out who their listeners are and that exclusive group has access. My initial kind of thinking on the project, it was actually something that that I was producing personally where I wanted to share this documentary that I was making um, with kind of my site's biggest fans, if you will. And so I started building this app as a, a bit of a side project. And what I found when I actually started sharing it and having people use it is I got requests from other podcasters who were saying, you know, I've really tried to do this in my workplace, but there's not a great solution right now to, to be able to send out a podcast to just my team of 12 people, or maybe I'm in the marketing department and I want to put out a monthly update to everyone in marketing. You know, and people started telling me about how they were using corporate intranets and some other hacky solutions. And, and honestly, a lot of respect to them for figuring out ways to make it work. But it made me very focused on this opportunity of why isn't it as easy as listening to a podcast to bring audio into the workplace? And on top of that, and you know, Debbie, you were saying this before, I mean, four or five years in podcasting, it's changed so, so much over that time from I would say for you know, maybe four years ago where it was uh, it felt like a very niche thing, something that not a lot of people knew about or were doing. We're now in a situation where a lot of the latest research is saying that about one out of three people are listening to podcasts regularly. A majority of people are aware of podcasts. And so a lot of that was the catalyst for working on this of thinking that teams and companies should have audio as part of their communication strategy. And, and that really was the beginning of all of this. Yeah, and I think it's a great idea. A lot of your experience resonates with my experience. I worked in-house. I was keen on sharing audio content. And the only way I could do that was to use a listen again service. So people literally had to use a telephone and dial a number and listen to that content on a phone. So completely different consumer experience from, you know, having something on your smartphone that you can tuck in your pocket and, you know, walk away and keep listening to. So yeah, you know, great idea to, to have a a specific channel to do that, I think. What do you think is the appetite inside organizations to be able to share podcast content in the same way as consumers can get podcasts? It's been, you know, that was really the big question once you start building something and you start talking to clients of how receptive are they to to doing it. And it's been exciting so far. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a, a couple of numbers um, we've actually been live. We started our beta with a small group about four months ago. We now have over 100 organizations that have launched private podcast channels. Wow. And that number is growing. And we're starting to work with some larger organizations who may have thousands of listeners, which is quite exciting. But I think when we we look at this, I would still say it's really early days. you know. And, and if I'm looking at the clients I work with, there's a small set who have already began using audio. And, and Debbie, I think what you mentioned is a great example of that. They're kind of spirited folks who uh, have come up with an idea of how to make it work, but maybe didn't have the right tool available before. And then I would say there's a larger group of people who maybe they opened a newspaper or were reading a, you know, an article online about podcasting and they have the light bulb moment and they say, why aren't we doing this? And so we work with both of those types of clients I think for us, you know, the, the key thing that I always message is having clarity on what your purpose is for having an internal or in-house podcast. For some people, they come to me and say, you know, we're really only looking to, to use a podcast to market our company. 
And in that case, I think a lot of the existing podcast solutions are, are perfectly great and you can get set up and put something out in the open where a potential customer could listen to it and you're exposing them to your company. But when I think about the in-house opportunity, I think a lot about building a team culture, about developing the team and being able to provide trainings. Uh, I always call it the, the long email conundrum. What is the long email that I might have sent You know, to, if I was working with a group of 500 before that now I can give to people and they can listen on their own time, particularly if they're out in the field or commuting or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, we know from statistics, don't we, that you get a lot longer, uh, a length of time of engagement from podcast content. So people are more prepared to sit and listen to a podcast for a longer length of time than they are to engage with other forms of media. So I totally agree with that. As a replacement for the lengthy email, it's it's perfect. Um so yeah, inter- interesting that you picked that out. And I really like the fact that you focus on those two things, building a team and developing a team, both really critical activities inside organizations. So how do you feel that podcast content can help with those? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that I, I see as really big advantages of audio and podcasts. And you know, I mentioned this before, we have clients who are looking to get into podcasting for the first time. And I always talk about the importance of not creating bad radio, as we call it. So I think it's important to do it well, just like any communication. And I'm sure your audience is very familiar as communications professionals uh, and experts. You know, your expertise and a lot of the things that I think work for for other media uh, apply here about creating engaging content. To get to your question of why I think podcasting is exciting, I'll highlight a couple of things. Aside from the listener or the user experience that you might call it of letting people listen on the go, which I think is hugely advantageous for actually driving consumption. Um, So giving people uh, another outlet to be able to engage with that where maybe I'm on a flight for work and I really wasn't going to be able to read or engage with that long email. Now I can just download it onto my storyboard app or whatever solution that your company were to come up with. And now that's an opportunity. But I think second, for anyone who listens to podcasts, and so your listeners are certainly in this, it's a great opportunity to provide something that's conversational, that allows us to have kind of a rich, engaging format. I spoke before about how I've been a podcaster for years. I mean, the biggest difference for me, and and so I mentioned this was kind of a sports-based website. We were writing, we were tweeting, we were making podcasts. I've always come back to podcasting as our, our foundation, as our centerpiece, because it's a, a place where if somebody's reading an email, they, they're, they're looking at that. If they're doing something else, they kind of have to look at that. What I love about podcasting is you're, you're really on their mind. They're, it's a chance for them to really engage with that content in a, a very deep way. And then third, and I don't want this to read as an advertisement, but I'll say this, that I think is something with Storyboard that our clients have been really receptive to. Because we, it's, it's listening, it's something we can track engagement with quite easily. So if you send out, or if I were to send out an email today to all of my Storyboard clients, and it was a long thing about how to make a great podcast, I wouldn't know how many of them actually got to the end if my content was really hitting what we do with storyboard already is we can show the exact users who have started and completed each episode. We can also collect feedback from those listeners about how it's going. So we see podcasting as a great way to not just drive rich content, 
but understand impact in the business case of doing it. That's great. And you know, in terms of compiling a business case, knowing that you'll get those statistics and you'll you'll be more aware of how much of the content is being consumed is certainly really, really helpful. I'm interesting that you mentioned feedback as well, because one of the criticisms I've come across with podcasting is that it's very much a broadcast activity. And one of the things internal communicators are trying to move away from is the concept that that comms should be top down, you know, that it should be a one to many activity. And these days, it should be more of a conversation. So I love the fact you mentioned that podcast content for you is more conversational in tone, but also this concept of feedback. So how does that actually work? Yeah. So one of the things I'll mention for anyone who hasn't used Storyboard before is that we don't send our content into traditional podcast apps. So while you can't listen to a Storyboard podcast in an Apple podcast app or in a Pocket Cast, all of that happens through our Android and our iPhone apps. The reason I bring that up is it means that we can actually do things that a traditional podcast app doesn't have the ability to do. I'll talk about two features. One of them has already launched, and that's the listener feedback. In the player, it looks very much, and you can see this on our website, it looks very much like a normal podcast player. Um, I can click play, I can fast forward, rewind, I can send a Bluetooth, but a new feature that we came up with is that there is a feedback button in every one of those episodes. And the listener, so again, we're really trying to solve for that that corporate or organization use case. I'm an employee. I'm getting, let's say, a fireside chat every Monday from my CEO. And this is a team culture building activity. And maybe this episode, I feel like the interview was really great. I felt like this was a, a, the exact kind of content that I want to engage with. I can click feedback. I can leave an anonymous five-star review and leave a comment. That gets sent privately to the podcaster and can be seen on their podcaster dashboard when they log into Storyboard. So again, I, I totally agree with your point. I think that communications really are effective when they are a two-way street. But I think we can go further, and I think that we should. Um, So a second feature that we're working on rolling out this summer that hasn't been rolled out yet uh, is an opportunity within kind of the podcast player for these internal users to leave comments and have social engagement around that. So if you think about it, again, I'll go back to kind of this, I call this the fireside chat example, the CEO, and we see a number of these who wants to, to talk about, you know, team priorities each week. That seems like a meaningful opportunity where if this were sent out as an email, I'm not going to reply all, hopefully at least, to the entire company and say, oh, you know, I think this direction is really exciting. But within the app, that's a great opportunity for us to do this. So I very much agree with with your point. And I think it's something that we're trying to build from a feature perspective. Yeah, that sounds perfect. And I guess the reason you stress the fact that the podcasts aren't available on general public directories is because of the privacy angle. Is that a topic that comes up quite a lot when you're talking with clients? Absolutely. I talk a lot about this idea of new features, of us being able to provide deeper listener analytics, feedback, making communications a two-way street. But really the the primary difference maker between using Storyboard and and really the existing solutions that have been out there to launch a podcast, and and this is for anyone who hasn't launched a podcast before, because this is the most common question I get. When you launch a podcast, it, it generates a public feed, a public directory. And when you do that, obviously the advantage of that, if you're a normal kind of consumer-focused podcaster, is it's a great opportunity to find new listeners. 
But if I want to talk about my corporate strategy or I want to talk about how Q1 went and what we're going to do differently in Q2, not as much of an effective solution. Um, so I very much agree with your point. When we talk to our clients, the thing we emphasize most is the layer of security that we provide through Storyboard. Um, you are specifically whitelisting your listeners either by inviting them over email uh, or for our larger organizations, we also do integrations with their corporate systems to, so that they can add their, their teams in. And then that group alone has access. So it's a, a bit of a walled garden and that gives us the layer of security so that we can have open communications just like we would over email or other channels that we have in the workplace. Yeah, that sounds perfect. And I know, you know there, there's quite a debate about how open this type of content should be with some people feeling like podcast content is an ideal way to share information about their organization outwardly. Um, but conversely, exactly like you said, for people who want to share strategic information, they're not keen to, to pu publicize that. So you're absolutely right. For some people, it's that the walled garden idea is most appealing. So they can share content freely, but only in the confines of their own organisation, which is kind of what most people are used to doing with other communications channels um, in-house. Well, we've talked about um, some of the key things that podcasts can achieve in-house, things like building a team, developing a team, sharing those CEO fireside chat moments and those sorts of things. Can you think of any other really cool applications you've seen communications pros using podcasts for? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I've seen a, a few of them. So I, I think that with podcasting, and this is, I mentioned this before, especially when we look at internal communications, I see the people who are working with who are doing this now as, as real pioneers, as, as they really are breaking the ground to start this process. And I think in I mean, obviously I'm uh, quite biased, but I believe that in five years, every large company is going to be doing this. So yeah, it's been exciting. So, you know, I mentioned the fireside chats. I think that's probably the most common, but what's been really interesting has been seeing kind of the, the micro level opportunities to, to use podcasts. And I'll, I'll use a couple examples that I, I found to be quite wild. Uh, one of them is a logistics company in Australia. And so that they, they do trucking and obviously they have truck drivers who are on the road. They go to a number of different ports in Australia. Full transparency, I knew nothing about trucking or not that much <laughs> geographically about Australia before working with them. But what's been cool is that there's different roles and regulations for these different ports. And they'll actually set up a podcast feed so that their drivers can receive trainings about different roles and regulations. If you think about the life of a truck driver, very little amount of time for them to be able to actually sit down and read a long email or a, a training um, before they do it. So they can just pull up the information right away and they can consume it in an audio format. Another one, and this is not going to sound as focused on internal communications, but I actually feel like I've learned a lot from it. We work with a professional sports team that will go so far as to record um, training advice for each of their players, which they would not want to share publicly. So this is an opportunity for them to provide what I call like a micro tailored content um, to, you know, a, a specific player on the team of this is what they should be doing to prepare for this next opponent. I actually find that quite fascinating for the larger use case of the kind of corporate clients we work with. Yeah. One thing that we're going to be working on this summer is something called channels, where today when you get set up on storyboard, you're producing one feed for your organization. Um, now you may say this is going to be an episode focused on marketing which might specifically appeal to the marketing department. 
but I love the idea of what if marketing wants to create their own versus how, and, and maybe, you know, we have our, our fireside chat that goes out to everyone, but we're also having, you know, the sales team is doing their own. The marketing team is doing their own. I really want storyboard to be on the forefront of that. So that's something that we'll be working on as well this summer. That's such a, a great concept. And that's something, again, I hear from internal communicators, particularly who work in really large distributed organizations. The last thing we want to do is just add to the noise. So there's no point creating podcast content. There's just going to be more information that people feel obliged to try to absorb into their working day. So the more tailored um, and targeted it is, obviously, the better. I mean, the idea of micro-targeting content by an individual basis is amazing. I mean, you know, what a fascinating endeavor that that uh, sports company are, are undertaking. That's really inspiring. And I actually think it ties into what you brought up before of communications being a two-way street. You know, before doing this, I worked in a large organization. I would regularly send out newsletters to hundreds of people on a corporate listserv. And the idea of for me to be able, because I, I did not come from an internal, that was not the focus of my role, but being able to be engaged with that was hugely powerful for me. And it's something where, you know, I began actually talking to our internal communications experts within our company and learning from them. And it became a two-way street. What's exciting about podcasting is that, uh, as any podcaster can tell you, to get started is, is not that hard, uh, you know, you, from an equipment standpoint and, and getting kind of the minimum software. Now, to make it really great, it definitely takes work and energy and creativity, but the actual act of getting started, it's, it's not like shooting a, a huge movie or something like that. So I bring that up because this idea of the micro-targeting I think it's an opportunity for us to, to create these, these opportunities for people to engage with their teams in ways that maybe they wouldn't or do ordinarily, which I, I think is quite exciting. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've, I've led a team that's spread across the globe in the past. So uh, you know, just time zones can be a real barrier to communicating well with people because you know you're asking either somebody to come in ridiculously early or somebody to stay ridiculously late so you can synchronize your comms. So, you know, sharing an audio file that everyone can listen to at the right time of the day for them, you know, if I could do that quickly and cheaply, that would be perfect. You mentioned that you don't really need to spend a huge amount on equipment. I know that that's quite often one of the barriers that um, people are a little bit concerned about how much money they need to spend to just start up in podcasting. What would you say is, is the minimum amount of stuff you'd need to get going and produce something that's at least adequate quality? That is a phenomenal question. And and Debbie, I think I'm going to throw this back to you too, to see if you uh, keep me honest on this one from, from your experience. Sure. When, you know, when I, I look at it, I think there's a few technical requirements that people should be prepared for. Most of all, having a quality microphone is extraordinarily important. And when I say a quality microphone, and I'll just kind of name check a, a couple here, um, a lot of kind of starters will end up using what's called a Blue Yeti, which I think retails for about $100 US. The Rodecaster, which I, I can see, I believe you're using right now, is a, a really nice microphone as well. There's a number that, that you can look up if you kind of look up how to start a podcast. I really recommend having a good microphone to begin with. Um, but second, usually from an editing perspective, there's a number of pieces of software that you may use already. So for instance, if you are an Apple user, you have GarageBand installed. Audacity is a very common one that a lot of podcasters will use. Um, there's another one, Reaper, which is paid, but has a lot of depth. So just based on how many bells and whistles you're looking for, there are different software choices you can make to begin your editing process. 
I would say to get a minimum viable product, having a good microphone, having a basic understanding of the software, and then having a solution for how you're going to distribute. So if you're going to do an internal podcast, obviously I'm pitching people on using Storyboard. Uh, if people are looking to market to clients, there are plenty of ways um, for not that much money that you can host your podcast online through something like a Libsyn, a Podbean, SoundCloud. Now, with that being said, especially if you've proven the use case and, and you believe that your company should be doing this, uh, a number of clients I work with are either having internal communications experts on their team um, allocated and focusing on this as a project, which I think is, is awesome. There are also a number of tremendous podcast studios. I work with a couple in the UK already who have experienced working with corporate clients. Um, from talking to them, often what they'll do is they'll help set you up for the recording process. And then I might do my fireside chat. I'm sending the audio files out to the company. And then that studio is actually editing it together, polishing it, making it into something really professional that they can then send out. So certainly this can become a very expansive project and can become very tightly produced. But I think there's also a great opportunity to, um, with a relatively limited budget to begin with, get started and see how it works in your organization. Would you agree? What's your experience been like? I thoroughly agree with everything you've said. Yeah, totally agree. A microphone is an absolute must. Um, it doesn't have to be a really expensive one. In fact, I quite often, um, if I'm out and about, use a lapel mic. It's, it's a sure lapel mic. So it's, it's quite nice. But that, that can be a solution if you can't carry a lot of equipment with you around a difficult working environment, for example. I and mean, I quite often use shotgun microphones when I'm out and about again because they're nice and focused in terms of the sound coming into the microphone so you don't get that you know, kind of sound interference that can happen. And I definitely advise trying to get into an audio neutral space to capture the recording. So I think a lot of people struggle. They think they can edit out background noise and, you know, really, really struggle with that. So that, that that's generally my advice. Get into a, a, the best space you can for recording sound and, and, and get a microphone. Yeah, completely agree. And absolutely, I've used GarageBand. That's where I started out my editing. So for a free tool, it's, it's brilliant. And also I've used Audacity for the same reason, because I recommend it to people who don't want to spend a lot of money on editing software. And, it, and it's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. You can spend a lot of money on production, um, whether you decide to do that in-house and get the skills to do it or whether you decide to outsource that. But it's not necessary. And I think advising advising clients on equipment is something that we'll all be doing until the end of time because the equipment keeps changing and evolving. So I think it's a conversation we'll constantly be having. I will say, though, I think one thing that's universal, and, and I'm so glad that you brought this up because I think for any new podcaster, if you just listen to anyone who's you know putting their podcast on Apple for the first time, audio quality and especially background noise, ambient noise, um, beeps and things that, that can come up. Those are things that can really be, what, I, what I've personally found is that audiences can be receptive to a lot of different podcast styles and strategies, but low quality audio is, a, is probably the, the mark of death when it comes to a podcast not working well. And so I think investing in being in a quiet space and, and figuring that out, and that doesn't necessarily mean buying anything, but it might mean figuring out a good place to, to interview somebody. Uh, I've certainly done podcast interviews before where we get in and I'm next to like a refrigerator and an air yeah. conditioner at the same time. And I'm like, okay, this, if I do it, it could be an excellent interview, but 
no person is going to listen to this. And I always use that as a rule of thumb. Would I, as a listener, listen to this? Or is this off-putting enough that it's content that I'm not going to be able to engage with? So I think even more so than, than maybe spending money on a great microphone or, or buying the best audio editing software, just getting kind of the bare bones right and getting something good out and seeing how your audience receives it. That's a great first step to figure out if this works for your internal communication strategy. Yeah, 100%, 100% agree. You can just a little bit of forethought and planning goes such a long way when you're capturing, um, you know, any kind of recording. Yeah. And, and one other follow up comment too. I'm glad you brought it up. The the kind of label mic is, is, I think you should think about what kind of podcast style you're going to be using. So if it's interview focused, that can be excellent for being able to quickly mic up your guest and begin having a conversation. Now, if you're in a position, I work with a number of clients who are remote. They'll have an office in London, another one in Toronto, and they want to put one together. Well, just like we're doing right now, we're actually recording this interview remotely, and there's a number of solutions that allow that to happen. Um, so you, you definitely want to figure out what is, your, what is kind of your most common strategy going to be. And I think that's a great way to figure out how to optimize your podcast and build something that's going to be really good. That's spot on. You're absolutely right. We didn't mention um, remote recording. And that's so important because I think that's another misconception that puts people off making podcast content. They think it's going to incur a lot of travel cost and inconvenience because they need to co-locate with their podcast guests. But of course, it's perfectly viable um, to record at a distance. I, I dread to think how many thousands of miles apart we are. Yeah, there, there are a number of good solutions out there. Um, Skype is a pretty common one. So just to go to some of the kind of bare bones or, or free ones that people get started with, um, Zoom, Google Hangouts have been used by people before. There are a number of services that have come up, though, if you want to actually invest in a more advanced solution. Um, so there's one called Zencaster and another called Squadcast that have both been reviewed pretty well. I'm not involved with either of these. These are just purely recommendations from my own experience. And what they allow you to do is to do a remote recording. So you're hearing it as a call. But what they'll do is they'll record locally so that you get two, let's say you're recording with two people. You have an audio file for the person who's uh, recording in the UK, another one for the person recording in the US. And then when you put that in your editing software, you have two different calls that you can edit from that have been stored and compressed in high quality. Uh, if this all sounds a bit nerdy to you, if you're not an audio editing person yet, uh, it'll make sense if you try it. But this can be a very powerful solution to get something really high quality for your podcast. You're absolutely right. It makes a huge difference to get separate files for separate voices. You gave us some really strong examples of people using some really cool um, podcasting techniques. Have you got any case studies where your clients maybe have got to the end of a cycle or a series of podcasts and they've managed to evaluate the outcome of that podcast and provide some good sort of feedback on what that's actually done for them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I expect that we'll be able to publish some case studies on our site soon. We have a number of larger clients who are now kind of completing that process. That's actually a pretty typical way of, of getting started, saying, you know what, I'm going to do this on a kind of a four-show basis and see how it works, which might be the first month of podcasts. Personally, I, I really like that. And again, I, I want to talk about doing internal podcasting generally, but but with Storyboard, we bill on a monthly basis. We don't do annual contracts. So it's 
It's really great for a lot of companies who are looking to get their toes in the water for the very first time. So we work with an automotive client who's using podcasting for trainings. And so what's great for them is that they, before it was very difficult to get engagement and get people to actually listen and go through some of these trainings. What we've been able to provide, because we actually can show listener engagement and show which users are listening to it, is that they've been able to make this as a core part of their training strategy. The thing that they've highlighted as a big success is that, um, and I think a lot of companies have this experience, you might be starting training classes at different times throughout the year, or you might have new people coming on board where um, they might not be in a training group at all. They might be, they might be trained individually. Um, what they've given us as feedback is that because the podcast continued to live in their feed, they can always refer someone back, let's say six months from now and say, we need you to go through modules one through six. This is kind of our core onboarding training so that you're going to understand what the world of automotive sales is like. And this is something that they can go back and continue to engage with. I think what we'll have more of uh, as we go throughout the summer and what I'd like to be able to share is some of the engagement statistics and things that we're seeing. And we're still a little bit too early days to be able to share that at this point. But yeah, overall, the feedback has been really positive. And I, I think a lot of that comes to the ingenuity and the creativity of um, the podcasters who we found within these companies who are really exploring new space and, and breaking new ground on their own. That's such a good point. It is quite a new space. And I think podcasting is an underused resource inside organizations at the moment. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's really important that we evaluate and we get some idea of how effective podcasts are being. But I would hate for our purpose statements and our evaluation processes to constrain the possibilities of podcasting, because I think it's such early days, we really don't know what the best benefits are going to be. So getting as much anecdotal feedback and tracking these use cases as you're doing is really critical right now. So we can actually see as it emerges, you know, what are the best use cases for podcasts and how effective are they? Yeah. And I mean, this is an area that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this because if anyone is listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, okay, I, I see the use here. What's next? You know, typically when I'm having a client conversation, and I'll mention this too, if, if you believe Storyboard might be a good solution for your business, definitely get in touch with us through our website. But what we end up doing is we talk about the value that podcasting can bring to that organization. Because the first thing that we need to do, it isn't as simple as saying, look, we're going to launch a new version of, e of our email strategy, or we're going we're gonna to take a new strategy around video where it's something that's been done for a long time within the corporate space it's really important that we're selling the, the benefits of audio and podcasting, especially when we get to kind of the executive level conversations to fund this project or greenlight it or, or whatever the case may be. And a lot of what we talk about, just to hit some of the high notes, that listener experience of empowering people to be able to listen at a time that makes sense for them. You know, I mentioned before when I was starting this project, I was hearing kind of feedback from friends who were like, hey, I want to use the scrappy thing that you're putting together. And, and that really got the ball rolling. But another part of this is that my, my mother actually is a, a salesperson who's in the field. She drives quite a bit, actually 1,100 hours in 2018. Wow. And what was interesting is that her company's internal communication strategy is heavily reliant on conference calls and video that had to be watched once she got back and was actually in a location and could get in front of her desktop. And uh, Debbie, to your point, I mean, I found this, that this was, was really kind of a, a point of frustration because A, to do the conference call, it requires everyone to be on the same time zone to drop what they're doing. Um, they couldn't set up client visits at that time. 
And then B, these trainings weren't really requiring anything visually. They were equally rich and equally beneficial if they had just been audio. And so looking at that, the idea that now time that's already being used for work, going and visiting a client or commuting in could be replaced with something that makes me part a better functioning member of the organization and more equipped to do my job. That's the part that I find really exciting. And we talk a lot about that with our clients when they're pitching this within their organizations. And, and so far, a lot of companies have been receptive, which is quite exciting. Yeah, great. I think that's unlocking quite a lot of potential, like you say. And I've been in that situation where I've tried to dial into a conference call while driving around a roundabout. And it's, it's not a good idea, it really isn't. So, you know, just listening to streamed content would be much less stressful experience. Well, if you were going to kind of wrap all of that conversation up into some advice, if I was an in-house podcaster, really desperate to sell the idea of podcasting to my leadership team, what do you think would be the key points I should lead on? So I would highlight two. The first one is that audio is going to continue becoming an increasingly present part of our lives, whether that's the fact that people can listen to what they want to while they're commuting, while they're in the car, while they're listening on their speaker device if they have one at home, or the fact that now one out of three people are listening to podcasts regularly and that number is only going to continue to grow. So first and foremost, if I'm an internal communications professional, I want to leverage what, what people are using. And I see audio as being something that isn't just important now, but something that's going to become increasingly important over the next five years. And then the second thing is that I want to create content that engages people that can drive those goals, whether it's building a team culture or developing that team. And to that end, I think podcasting is a phenomenal medium for doing it. I think it opens the door for these conversations that can be effective in a way that written text or, or video really can't. And I think it, when you really couple that with putting the listener in a place where they can listen in a way that's conducive for them, I think it's really a, a very powerful thing. So on both of those levels, I think companies, especially those that are starting to look at audio now, I think are in, in great position. And I think for those who haven't yet, I still think it's very early days and it's a great time to start to break in and figure out how this medium can work for their organization. That's absolutely perfect. I completely agree with what you just said too. So that's fantastic. Super helpful to have that kind of prompt if you're the person who's got to stand in your organisation, you know, and, and actually try to, to champion something new. So thank you so much on behalf of Internal Communicators for helping us out with that one. I'm really grateful to you for sharing that knowledge and expertise. And I really enjoyed being here and thank you so much for, for giving me some time. As you can tell, I'm, I'm very passionate about this space one thing I'll say, and you know, part of the way that we were introduced was kind of me following the internal comms discussions on, on Twitter. I think that there's a, a great community there, which is exciting. And I think for people who are doing these types of podcasts now, the more that you learn and can share, I think there's a, a lot of opportunity for, for kind of experts to develop in this field. So uh, certainly reach out to me if this is something that you've been experimenting with already, whether you've been finding success or you've been running into challenges. I love hearing about it. And I think for us in, in building this platform, our goal is to make it as effective as possible and as easy as possible to launch something that's really great, uh, you know, to, to something that people want to listen to and that people will get a lot out of. So if this sounds like a project that could be a toll for you, please definitely check us out at tristoryboard.com. We have a couple of different ways to contact us. We love having conversations, whether this is right for you or whether you just want to learn more. So Thank you very much for your time. 
Oh, thank you so much. It's been so fascinating listening to your experiences and your absolute genuine passion for podcasting. It's really great, really great to, to actually speak to you and, and you'll find that out firsthand. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot again. Cheers. I'd like to say another huge thank you to JP for sharing all that insight, the case studies and the applications he spoke about, I thought were really helpful and super interesting. If you want to find out more about Storyboard, of course, there's a link to that in the show notes, which you can find if you head out to beabiggerfish.net. There's also some more information in there about JP and you can find out more about Be A Bigger Fish and the in-house podcasting mission we're on to help internal communications and other professionals bring more audio to life in their workplaces. Feel free to reach out to me on social media so you can find me at Debbie Aurelius on Twitter or at PeppermintFishC on either Twitter or on Instagram. I'd be delighted to hear from you and you can DM me if you've got any comments or questions you would like me to raise during this podcast series. Thank you so much as always for listening and for commenting. It's such a pleasure to get feedback either through the rating system or social media. I really appreciate all of your comments. So thank you very much. I hope to see you at the next episode. So take care and goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.